0: What's going on and welcome into the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm Daniel Salerson. hope everyone is staying safe not only with COVID-19, but now the Hurricanes in the Gulf Coast with Marco and Laura on its way. Uh, we still have a podcast to do. We're going to use these next few weeks to recap uh, certain players or every player on the New Orleans Pelicans roster, and we'll have special guests uh, to join each one. And today we'll start with Joel Myers, television voice of the New Orleans Pelicans. He's also inside the bubble as we speak as he's been calling games nationally on TNT and NBA TV. The focus today is Drew Holiday, Jim Eikonoff, right? Can't forget about Jim Eikonoff, he also joins the show. Him and he will do the, the shows with me as well. So Jim and I will have some very special guests. And let's start with Mr. Myers there in Orlando. First off, Joel, how is the bubble treating you these days?
1: Very good. It's really impressive what the NBA has done, Daniel and Jim. It's it's hard to believe the the setup and, and the protocol and and the de- the attention to detail by the nba but and it's pretty amazing but i guess we shouldn't be surprised cuz the leadership of the league and how progressive and forward thinking the league has been in the past so it's only it's only going to get better and they're ahead of the curve on this one because uh, as you get into the bubble <clears throat> excuse me and you see the the preparation that is out there and all the trailers and all the 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 support staff every day to give you an idea of how much every you tested about every other day to begin with and then every day before you can get on the shuttle to go to your game, your temperature is taken. You're given a different color wristband and then they check that before you get into the bubble to make sure that your temperature was taken before you left whatever your your venue might be Uh, so it's impressive to say the least.
0: Yeah, we'll get into that in in a little bit. We'll talk about the playoffs and what you've liked and what's been surprising to you in just a little bit. But our focus is on Drew Holiday today. And Jim, will get into some things in in a few minutes. But I did want to just give you or ask you about the overall season for Drew Holiday. This is a little bit different from what he's used to as far as a lot of young pieces on this roster, sprinkled into some veteran players like himself, Derek Favors and J.J. Redick. If you just had to kind of sum up what Drew Holiday's season was like, how would you describe it?
1: Well, sound and real solid. Anybody who scores twenty a game and seven assists a game is putting together numbers on a consistent basis, and Drew did. And then we know he's one of the best two-way players in the NBA. Uh, But at the same time, he's working with a new group, a new core pieces all around him. And let's face it, this this group could not be without a guy like Drew Holiday. You can't win. With youngsters, you can't win with inexperience in the NBA. And that's why Drew, JJ Redick, their voices, and just their leadership by example, and Drew's example on the floor, the effort, the energy that he puts in, that is big for all these guys that just arrived. All these guys, <clears throat> let's face it, oh, what is it, eight players under 25 for the Pels? All right. or younger. So he, Drew Havaday and a player like that, Who is so committed to his craft and cares and is passionate at what he does is a requirement for a young team. Drew Holiday, he had a very sound season, a solid season, uh, but more than that, he set an example for the younger guys that the Pels had to have.
2: Joel, obviously there's there's a very specific reason why we wanted to have you on for not only to be the first guest in this series, but also... Because of your background with Drew Holiday, I'm, I'm not sure how many people know, you know, just obviously how well you know him and how far back you go with him is in terms of your son actually played uh, high school basketball with him um, and had a lot of success in California. Um, one, one of the things that's going to come up here soon is the league is going to be announcing the all-defensive teams. Drew was uh, first team two years ago, second team last season, something that you don't see a lot of guys where they're able to do that in consecutive years. Obviously, we'll find out pretty soon whether he is in on that list again. But what I wanted to ask you, you know, based on, on how far back you go with him, is that something that you've, you saw from him even back in his high school days as far as his defensive ability and just the focus at, at that end? It's just not he, – he, he takes it to a level that you just don't see very often in, in basketball.
1: Well, Jim, going back that far, and I've known him since he was in the eighth grade, it's his commitment and his dedication and a coach told me a long time ago, you want guys that are humble, and that's what Drew Holiday is. And, and then you, you encompass it with his wife and his family, mom and dad, who were college athletes as well, his brothers who are also in the NBA, and you have the healthiest of environments and situations. It really is. And and when I say humble and hungry, Drew, in my estimation, I'm not around him all the time, but he hasn't changed he really hasn't. He's, you know, his priorities have always been about family and his craft and you see that and that kind of dedication and then to do what uh, Drew and Lauren and obviously his, his little girl JT to, to commit to the community the way they have where they made the donation and they're, they're all in, all inclusive and involved in the community. That says a lot, but no, I have Drew's always been, and his family, they've always been quality. And you knew that going in.
2: Um, You know, going back through this season, I thought one of the things, and I'm curious to get your thoughts on this as well. I thought one of the things that was interesting about Drew's season too is it seemed like um, he played even better when Lonzo Ball was healthy and, and playing in a groove. It seemed like, you know, the start of the season, Drew was in a different role than what he was once Lonzo got back on the court and was able to get into a groove. What were your, your thoughts on that combination? I know we focused a ton. Everyone focused a lot on the connection and the chemistry between Lonzo and Zion, but it seemed like that also was beneficial for both of those guys, and it really helped Drew when Lonzo was able to get into, in, into a, a, a good rhythm.
1: Lonzo, in my estimation, Jim, does not succeed if he's not next to a totally unselfish guy totally team first guy and that's what Drew has always been. Drew doesn't look at a box. He doesn't care about stats. He's always been that way. So when Lonzo then got healthy and started to develop chemistry and a connection with the rest of the guys on the floor, that's why Lonzo was playing the best ball of his career, of his young career. Because he was next to a guy that didn't demand the basketball, didn't stop the basketball and was an asset on the floor for a guy like Lonzo Ball. You take it, I'm here if you need me, that kind of mentality and that kind of attitude. So it's not a surprise to me that Lonzo was playing really solid basketball before the shutdown because he was next to a pro, a consummate professional who doesn't require it. A lot of guys, it's all about me and my numbers. You've seen it like I've seen it in the NBA. They've got to get their numbers. They have to get their shots up. But that's not Drew Holloway. So that was a real big assist to Lonzo. the ball.
0: Joel, we, you know, you talked about the defense for Drew Holiday, and it seems like we've been talking about it for a while, ever since we've been covering this team. I think finally people are starting to recognize the type of defense that Drew plays. You're hearing it from different players, whether it's on JJ Reddick's podcast about Damian Lillard said best defender, best guard defender in the game. Are, are, whether it's media or fans or just anyone in general players, are they finally starting to recognize the type of defense Drew's playing or does still you find him underrated as far as what other people think about him?
1: Well, no, I think his peers respect him, and that's all that a player really wants. I mean, I've been working these last couple of weeks with Greg Anthony during the NBA playoffs, and Greg knows Greg was a great defensive guard out of UNLV. And we've talked a lot about Eric Bledsoe, who a couple of years ago was first team all – or last year was first team all defense, and he's different. Eric's a a smaller guy. He's a physical guy where Drew, he jumps routes. Drew moves his feet as well as anybody – he anticipates, reacts, and takes away a path. He can he picks up trends and tendencies of players before he ever gets on the floor with guys. So there are different guys and different reads when you watch a guy that's really good at the defensive end of the floor. Truth just sound there. Drew he takes uh, his craft at that end of the floor he takes very seriously. So uh, a lot of guys they want to score if they they. Play defense, so be it. But Drew prioritizes that way. It's a it's a big deal to Drew Holiday. You can see it, and and a lot of guys want everything at the offensive end. I think Drew, if anything, he's top heavy at the defensive end of the floor. What comes offensively is fine by him, but defensively, there's a pride factor with Drew Holiday. So yeah, his peers more than anything else, Daniel. That's where uh, you pick up a lot of guys and a lot of broadcasters around the league. They all realize how good Drew Holiday is, especially as a two-way player.
2: I mean, one thing I wanted to ask you, too, was um, I don't know if I've ever really asked you this before as much as I've discussed the NBA and, and that kind of thing. H- how fun is it for you to – I know how in-depth in, de- in depth you are in the NBA, how much we – both of us watch League Pass and follow League. How much fun is it for you to just cover, some, cover other teams and be able to prepare for these games and just the enjoyment of, you know, working on – calling the bucks magic game which i watched a lot of yesterday how much fun is this has this been for you
1: well jim you're like me and daniel the same we don't want our seasons dead we wanted the Pels to be here we wanted the Pels to be in the bubble for the postseason so just to keep calling games is a little piece of heaven on earth for me it means a lot to me to be included to begin with and and the people that turn are pros they are prepared they make your job easy because of everything that they bring to the table and all the research and everything else that I do and they're doing it on top of it. So it, it's, it's, I didn't want the season to end period. I want the Pels to go past the first round, not just get to the playoffs. I look forward to the day, like a couple of years ago with the Portland sweep, they get to the next round and then they're a factor in the second round of the conference semifinals. So it, it, it means a lot to me to be here. It would be, Yeah, really significant though, it was all of us here. That's you and Daniel, the staff, the team, Matt Ryan and his crew from media, uh, Griff and the whole front office and the basketball ops people. I I look forward to that because we're not that far. The Pels are really close. The the young core needs a couple of other pieces, uh, but it's a kick for me to be here, to work with a pro like Greg Anthony, a cerebral guy, uh, a real bright guy, was in politics you know he he clerked while he was a UNLV in DC in the offseason so it, it's it's always great to work with others diverse opinions other perspective and it's worked out well and then to be around because we have a lot of zoom meetings this <laughs> we have meetings every morning we meet with both coaches before the game on zoom and just to get their thoughts that's healthy I, I, and these, some of the coaches in the NBA, they're, dark, bright. they're so sharp. Uh, it's a great time for the NBA overall and, and leadership in the NBA. I talked about it very early, but the coaches in the NBA as well. There's some surprises here for me. And I'll tell you this right now, I never ever would have believed Utah would be up 3-1 on Denver. And I know they're missing Gary Harris, and he's quite good play uh, in game five, and their desperate form, But I never thought even with Will Barton and Gary Harris out, that it would be 3-1 Utah. That is a surprise to me.
0: Absolutely. It's, it's been interesting to see. and A lot of people talk about how competitive the playoffs have been, even the regular season or the seeding games inside the bubble. Were you surprised about how competitive these games are considering the circumstances that they in, are in, or is it something that really didn't surprise you as far as that these guys are professionals who are going to go play no matter what the setting was?
1: Yeah, I'm not surprised. There is a pride factor with guys in the NBA. And it's kind of funny because you and I and, and Jim were, Daniel, we're in the building two and three hours for tip. So we see the guys at the end of the bench that don't get run playing against each other to stay fit and stay in shape. And they're going hard at each other. They're nobody's in the building and they're, they're crushing each other. There's no, no easy buckets in those pickup games. So when they got here, And people were saying, I can't believe how, I remember the, I think it was about 10 days into the seeding games, uh, the Lakers and Raptors played. And it was like they were deep into the playoffs against each other. They were killing each other. It was great basketball, it was fun to watch. So I'm not surprised at all. Uh, The pride factor in the NBA, uh, it's really high. Guys, they're passionate about what they do and they care. And there's not going to be anything given. There's nothing easy. it's an elite fraternity and they remind you of it every time we watch them on the floor.
2: You know, it's funny, Joe, one of the things that you, you said earlier, I didn't want to interrupt you, but it it made me think of, um, it ties kind of perfectly together with, with Drew Holiday, what we were talking about earlier, when you said that, you know, you wish that the whole Pelicans team could be there and that the New Orleans was still part of this playoff experience. I feel like for Drew specifically, I think one of the things that, um, I wish could have happened was have him be in the playoffs. It seems like what, what he did in 2018 against Portland is something that a lot of people obviously noticed across the country and basketball fans, but it's been, it's, it's just unfortunate that he hasn't been able to have a, that second opportunity kind of to follow up on that. So that, that was just one of the things that I thought right. of that for the team overall, it would have been great to be part of the playoffs and it would have been incredible experience Drew already has tons of experience so that's not really a factor but I do think that from a from the standpoint of the recognition that he gets that would have been something beneficial and maybe that's something that we'll see hopefully next year and, and down the road.
1: Well, you bring up a valid point because of perception and the way that image is created by the franchise as a whole. And that's why see I had Orlando already in one of my games and Orlando shocked Milwaukee in the opener. And the experience this has given Markel Fultz and a couple of the other younger guys. Orlando now, all of a sudden, you look at Orlando with Steve Clifford, a very good coach, five years at Charlotte, now two in Orlando. All seven of his seasons, his team has been top ten in defense. And now he's creating a culture and an environment there where they're building. And they have gone to back-to-back playoff series. Granted, it's the east, the bottom of the east, which is not as good as bottom of the west. We know that. But still, they're making the proper steps and they've got a good thing going once they get healthy. I mean, they're missing Aaron Gordon, Jonathan Isaac, Mo Bamba, and they're still playing hard. Even in game four against Milwaukee, the team with the best record of the NBA, after 36 minutes of play, it was a three point game because they're playing hard for their coach. So that's why I brought that up. I look forward to when uh, this group of Pels plays seriously hard, advances not only in the first round, but gets to the second round and builds. And then all of a sudden the image of the franchise has changed completely.
0: Absolutely. Well, we're looking forward to more basketball. Looking forward to hearing you on the call, whether it's TNT or NBA TV for your your last few weeks in the bubble. Joel, I really appreciate the time. Uh, Stay safe down there and I look forward to talking basketball with you soon.
1: We'll do it again and we'll continue throughout the playoffs to talk about some of the surprises, some of the good series.
0: Absolutely. So, yes, as Joel mentioned, we will be doing this for a few more weeks as far as player recaps. We'll have Joel back on the recap playoffs as well. But we'll continue with our player spotlight tomorrow featuring Brandon Ingram and Andrew Lopez of ESPN.com will join us to discuss that. I appreciate everyone tuning in and everyone stay safe on the Gulf Coast with Hurricane Marco and Laura. And until tomorrow for Jim and Joel, I'm Daniel. Thanks for listening to the Pelicans podcast presented by SeaKey.